tuned in to the Cosmic Combos Podcast, your number one source for accurate, relevant, and thought-provoking astrological conversations in the podcast nation, the place where stars and minds align. Peace. You are now tuned into the Cosmic Convos Podcast. I'm your humble host, Herut, and I got the man of the hour, my good brother, Brother Ra. How you doing? Uh, peace, brother. Living and learning, applying what you know and doing what you do. How about yourself, King? Hey, man, no complaints. No complaints, man. Just, uh, you know, trying to get better every day and day, you know. Trying to make my my next move my best move and you know keep it keep it moving from there. <laughs> yes, sir. You already know that's what we do. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but before we get too far, I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calaparusha Astrology and our good people over there on Patreon. Big shout out to the patrons. Thank you all for the support. Let's get them a round of applause real quick. Yeah, definitely representing, you know, definitely providing that good feedback and, you know, uh, lining, lining us up with the questions and everything like that. And I, I definitely want to send a big shout out to them. Um, before I give you all of our, our normal context, I do want to remind you all um, to like, subscribe to the channel, um, share this on, on social media, share this with your people and stuff like that, you know, um, it's really, really important to get these algorithms working in our favor and stuff like that. So definitely like and share this. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Do the whole nine. You know, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're checking us out on Facebook, you know, um, you know, just go ahead and, uh, you know, um, share, share the content accordingly. Um, but, you know, as usual, um, we're on Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at Cosmic Convos. Cosmic Convo. That's C-O-S-M-I-C-C-O-N-V-O on Instagram. You can find us there. There we have our link tree where you can um, where you can, you know, uh, get to all of the different platforms that we're on and everything like that. And, uh, you know, find, you know, you, you get to, you know, buy a chart, all that stuff like that. We got um, information to go reach out to Brother Ra, um, which he's about to bless you with that information right now. Uh, Brother Ra, how can the people get a hold of you? Yeah, you can hit me up either on uh, Facebook or IG via Shechem Ra, or you can hit me up at calaparushaastrology.com, uh, excuse me, astrology at gmail.com. So if you hit me up uh, on one of those, definitely we'll get back at you pretty quickly. Indeed, 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 indeed. So, you know, um, you know, here we are, man. Uh, you know, um, we're on episode 13, right? You know, this is episode 63 in total, man. Give a big shout out to us, man. And whatnot. You know, we... Uh, we creeping up on that a hundred mark or whatnot. You know, we, 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 we're getting there or whatnot. A lot of changes, a lot of new things going on and stuff like that, man. So, um, you know, definitely uh, appreciate all of y'all who keep checking us out or whatnot. Um, 
did want to um, reflect on last episode, man. Uh, a lot of people had a great appreciation for it and stuff like that right on time. A lot of people have their mind on those type of things and stuff like that right now. So, um, you know, uh, we, we I got a lot of good feedback from it, you know, uh, <clears throat> even from my tropical astrologer friends, you know. What about mm-hmm. yourself? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, I generated quite a few clients out of that particular show. So that a lot of feedback, but the feedback I got back was uh, quite impressive because everybody wants to know, everyone wants to know. If you're going to start a business or invest, really how to do it and what are the best uh, times and and things from that uh, from an astrological perspective. So I got a lot of positive feedback from that show. Um, and they're going to be more like those shows uh, where we kind of maybe get in more specific areas of a specific type of um, uh, 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 stock or trade or commodity. Uh, where we can really kind of unpack it a little bit more and get more in detail. So stay tuned. Indeed, indeed. And uh, speaking of feedback, you want to answer a couple questions real quick? Yeah, let's knock them out. All right, cool. So again, you know, if you guys want to ask questions, you know, remember that, uh, you know, hit us up on Patreon, man. Get, you know, sign up for one of them little packages and stuff like that, you know, and uh, we definitely respond. Yeah, we answer your questions and stuff like that. So that's how you funnel questions to us. All right. So um, here we got a question. Um, Brother asked, um, is it safe to say uh, Bitcoin is ruled by Mercury? Like how gold is ruled by Jupiter? Yeah, that's his question. Well, um. Yeah, I kind of I bet I even know who asked that question. Um, <laughs> so, Mercury is a very uh, real planet, right? It's tangible. Uh, it has a solid mass, right? It can be measured, and it has even an atmosphere, right? So, <clears throat> Mercury, uh, for all intents and purposes, right? It's something that we can literally physically right understand from a from a materialized point of view um <clears throat> all the planets have a representative on the periodic table right gold is au right silver mm-hmm. is ag and so forth right so all of them have a a representative representation on the periodic table right copper all of them right Mercury even has a representation on the periodic table. Even the planets that are extra extra centurion planets have a correspondence on the periodic table. Pluto is plutonium. Mm-hmm. Uranus is uranium. Right. I don't know about Neptune, but those two definitely. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> ne- uh, Neptune is oil. Right. The big um, when Neptune was discovered, there was a big boom in the oil industry, mm-hmm. fossil fuels, right? Things that have been suppressed and transformed over time, right? Which is a lot of what Uranus will deal with, and bringing those things out for further use at a later date. <clears throat> so, um, when it comes to Bitcoin, right? If I had to peg something that I could attach to it. 
from an astrological perspective would have to be Rahu. Oh, yeah. Because Rahu is... So let's understand money for a minute. Money originally was based in coinage, right? The only reason why we came up with dollar bills is because dollar bills were receipts for the coins or the precious metal that we would have in storage at our bank or at the individual, at the respective organization that was keeping it for us, right? Yeah. So they give us a receipt. We hold it. We could trade the receipt without trading the coin or mm-hmm. the metal, which yeah. is easier. Yeah. Right. That was originally what money was intended for. Cash. Right. But currency is all coinage is always still stayed in play because coinage also represents a lot about the nation that uh, generates it because every coin typically has their leaders stamped on it. Mm-hmm. So for all intents and purposes, money is really the representative of precious metal, right? Or precious resources, just the ability to exchange them on a fairly equitable and even even scale. So when we introduce Bitcoin, right, there's nothing that is tangible or is oriented towards a receipt except you're getting some type of digital right recognition or digital um, tracking. Well, Rahu does rule, right, computers. <clears throat> so does K2. K2 is more the programming side, and Rahu is more the the effects and the kind of the gadgetry and the <clears throat> it's kind of the, the, the way that it eases things, right? Rahu can do that a lot. So with Bitcoin... Right, and it was founded in what we say oh oh four, right? Two thousand nine. Oh nine, excuse me. I'm yeah, sorry. Oh nine, when Rahu was in. Um, I'm thinking Facebook. Capricorn. Um, yeah. Rahu was. I was in Capricorn. Right. You know, Rahu being in Capricorn, you know that 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 Saturn ruled energy Saturn Saturnian energy. Is an energy that takes a long time, at least 30 years, right, to be able to gauge what it is that you're dealing with. Now, if Rahu was birth, if let's say Bitcoin was birthed maybe in Sag, right, then we would have at least a 12 year cycle to gauge, right, what that high and low looks like. Now, remember, Rahu deals in an 18.5 year cycle, or we could also say it's connected to the Soro cycle, right? And so that cycle as it goes up and down literally every eight every nine years right you have a shift right or repolarization or an opposite it's in its opposite sign right so every 18 and a half years right or 19 years will be a complete cycle for rahu for bitcoin because rahu will return back to that natal position so we have to literally wait right that time period to see what it's going to do. Now, what we can do is because we're in the midstream or mid kind of midway cycle, right? Where Rahu, well, actually, we were in the mid uh, cycle in 2016, right? 2016, 2017. That's when Bitcoin had problems, right? 2016, 2017, Bitcoin 
was kind of it's it seemed a lot more unstable now as that particular cycle continues and here it is rahu which is bitcoin is in taurus which is stabilized so that's why you're beginning to see the increase right and the stable the so-called stabilization with bitcoin but rahu will go into aries next right yeah and i can bet your bottom dollar right rahu that Bitcoin is going to dip back down again, right? Because Rahu deals in rumors, fads, trends, right? Surges, unexpected uh, um, growths, right? That's why it also rules cancer, right? Unexpected growths, uncontrolled growth, right? When the body has uncontrolled growth, it creates cancer and cancer then creates it. The process begins to eat back upon itself, right? Or eat the body in order to survive, right? You're going to see something very similar with Bitcoin when Rahu begins to make these changes in transit from a stabilization point to a point that is not stable. Mars and Rahu are enemies to a certain degree. And so that doesn't do well with um, rumors or, right, think about it like this. Rahu, when it gets into Aries, many times can indicate war. Right? <clears throat> and war is a destabilization for money, especially intangible money. Because people, when, when people panic, people don't want, people want things that they can touch. People want things they can know it's real. Right. Not to say Bitcoin doesn't produce some of those things right now, but as a trend, as a fad, as a kind of a high and low. Right. And remember, the nodes are lunar nodes. Yeah. Right. So lunar meaning it goes up and down. Right. Up and down. And the bigger the ups. Right. And then you have some downs. Now, we've talked about if you got in at the right time, you just really don't lose very much because you caught the momentum at the right wave which was more than likely right close to the beginning, right? Yeah. But other than that, <clears throat> right, that's what I would foresee is that <clears throat> when Rahu changes these signs, when these fads, right, kind of spread out and the, the gossip says, okay, we're about to be at war, there's a war brewing, right? People many times, and I could be wrong, people might <clears throat> do the opposite and gravitate towards Bitcoin, because it may be that <clears throat> we have a little bit more safety in something that can't be ch touched, right, by in by um, instabilities. But my prediction would be the opposite. Yeah, is that people will lean towards a lean away from it because it just doesn't have the staying power that is backed by a Wall Street, that's backed by a Cenex, that's backed by you know these <clears throat> these um these uh trade uh franchises so you know if you invest in it just be careful right pull out before rahu leaves taurus right so that you can at least maximize on you know the, the wave that's happening rahu is in um <clears throat> rigashira and oh wait a minute actually rahu should be no he's in rigashira right now um He's going to be back. He's going to go into Ra into Rohini. I suspect when he enters into Rohini, right, Rahu um, 
it'll it is going to it's going to increase even higher right and right when it's about to leave taurus right go into aries when it's in kritika that's when you're going to begin to see some of the challenges because the sun is the natural enemy to rahu and the sun rules kritika mm-hmm. moon is the enemy to rahu too but moon can stabilize Rahu a lot better than sun can, meaning that the, 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 the harshness of the sun, right, it literally, it's like blowing clouds away. It removes the fog, right? The moon on a well-lit night allows you to in, enjoy the fog. The fog can, doesn't have to be blown away. So it's less apropos to be such a struggle and Rahu being in that. And it's also Rohini, which literally Rohini means it grows whatever's in its grasp. Right. So again, right, Rahu and Rohini, you're gonna see a lot. It's gonna get even higher. Right when Rahu's about to leave, when it begins to enter into Kritika, you're gonna notice some stabilization and then it might drop and dip. And then when it gets into Aries, right, it more than likely will dip again. Even further. Right. <clears throat> and so that's what I really see. Um, if you wanted to localize a planet that would attach to that, it would be Rahu. Because this is something that's unprecedented. It's technologically oriented. It's a new age thing. That's all Rahu. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Indeed. Indeed. Um, oh, one last thing also. Notice the Lord, right? Where Rahu is placed. Remember, Venus moves quickly, right? Mm-hmm. She moves fast, right? The next time, the next planet that it enters into, right, is Mars. Mars moves slower, right, than Venus, right? So remember, it's going to look more stable when it gets to the very beginning, and then it will drop, right, because of that planetary process. And Mars would oppose itself at the same time when Rahu is in uh, well, Mars will oppose the natal position from what it's, from the time when it's actually entering in uh, Aries. Mm-hmm. That Mars will begin to polarize, right, and be in opposition. So that's not a good sign, right? Um, yeah, that's not a, it's not a good sign. So definitely be careful with Bitcoin. Again, pull out before it leaves Taurus, right? Especially before it leaves Rohini. And then you might have a good chance to really hold on to a lot of the wealth that you amassed through through Bitcoin. But I definitely wouldn't uh, wouldn't continuously count on it as the ultimate currency for the world. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, got another question here. Um, so this is in reference to a, um, a, a you know astro. Um, a book on Rahu and K2 um, by a, a pretty popular um, astrologer named Prastravedi. Um, and he references um, some charts in here, um, a chart for the Prophet Muhammad and um, Jesus Christ. Um, they wanted to know, you know, um, and actually the Jesus Christ one is... Uh, from um, Cyril Fagan. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a reference from that. What's your thoughts on, you know, charts like that? They got a birthday for Krishna. Yeah. <laughs> They have a birthday for um there's another one. 
mm, I can't remember the other spiritual leader that they have a, a chart for. You know, here's what I say to that is that these are individuals that for all intents and purposes are just mythological characters. Right. Some of the some of you know, when you mix truth with falsehood, it's hard to to say what say what's what. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> if there was a Muhammad that existed, right, I'm sure many of the things that were reported by him were uh religious in 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 um connotation instead of historical. Right. I'm sure that maybe someone of that ilk or of that character may have existed that they attached certain things to. But here's the thing about about charts, right? Especially ancient charts. Yeah. Number one, there was no timekeeping devices. Right. You didn't have a watch <laughs> or a clock, right, or a cell phone, right? Mm-hmm. That you could just boom, here's the time. Timing something was a priestly matter, mm-hmm. right? And so, if you could, if you, that's why literally the priests were like gods to men, because you could control, not control, but you could understand how time works as a priest, right? Remember, the priests had the power in ancient times. The priests were the scribes. The priests were the scientists. The priests were the astronomers. Right. Yeah. So the priest had the power. And so if you time something, it would have to have been from a very pristine priestly recording as far as any type of, you know, any type of event like that. I mean, they purport that Buddha, when he was born, right, that there was an astrologer that stated that he would either be a great king or he would be a great spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Um, it's a nice symbolic gesture, right? But think about it from this perspective. I have people that I meet today that can't get their birth time. Mm-hmm. I have people with birth certificates that don't have a birth time. Yeah, especially if you're born so how, in another country, you know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, how could someone extract a birth time? And perpetuate that birth time over centuries, right? Over that, over millennium, right? To be able to hold some type of accuracy. And remember, they didn't have daylight savings time. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they used Greenwich, right? The Prime Meridian. Mm-hmm. Prime Meridian was just coined in the 1900s. Yeah. You got to think about those things for a minute, right? I mean, astrology is a beautiful science, but it is a science. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have some very specific keynote factors in order to really pinpoint a chart in any shape, form, or fashion. I mean, granted, they say Jesus was born in in March, right? Mm -hmm. And and, and and in fact, it's really interesting that we're having this conversation that Recently, they had just the Jupiter and the uh, Jupiter and the uh, Saturn conjunction, right? Yeah, they were trying to say that that was the star that Jesus was born under, right? 
in Pisces, not in Capricorn. Right. And so, again, right, you know, it's just, it's, it's very hard to determine those things. You can't rely on that data. There's just too many variables. Greenwich, right? You don't know where that is. Daylight savings time. If they take into consideration time zones in regards to how those things were recorded. Now, if we had a, if we had a date, a solid date, then okay. But again, we're talking about an individual, right? For all intents and purposes, that probably had more than one type of individual at that time. A good book to read is Gerald Massey. Um, he talks a lot about the different Jesuses that were around at that time. Right? There was more than one. I, I would need to so, see. Uh, I would need to see the chart, just like some ancient clay tablet chart or something like that, or some tapestry right, or something. Like, Let me see the chart. That would be, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's a perfect way to say, it. like, where where's the chart? Who came up? With what? <laughs> yeah, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, in Kemet, we do have some charts that actually are recorded, right? And in Babylon, they have uh, charts from thousands of years before Christ. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It, that's a very, very loose stretch of the and the individual that wrote it. He's a very interesting character. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 very. Uh, I do acknowledge some of the things that he says in the book. They're very true. Um, most people he he points out things in Rahu and Ketu that I didn't know at first, and I went researching. He was right. He says Rahu. Um, he says that Scorpio was originally the Mula Katrona sign for Rahu hmm. and not the debilitation. This is the book we're talking about here. <clears throat> You're up the key. Yep. Uh, pretty good book, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good book. Um, so, you know, um, he has some very pertinent points in there. He says, you have to look at the Lord of Rahu to really understand the placement. And that's, that's 100% correct. Because if Rahu, let's say, is in Scorpio, but is conjunct Jupiter in a very powerful sign mm-hmm. or a dignified sign or a sattvic sign, then Rahu in Scorpio is not going to be the same as Rahu in Scorpio in another position. So it really depends on the Lord, right? Um, you can have Rahu in Taurus and it's materialistically stabilized. Rahu in Scorpio is occult. Uh, occult. It's, a, it's stabilized through the occult. So, right, it just depends on how it's looked upon. So he and he really made some good points about it, and I really enjoyed it. So mm. it's a very good good read, and I definitely ad- advise anybody that's a serious practitioner of astrology just to give some of his ideas uh, uh, a purview. Not to say I agree with all of them, mm-hmm. but a lot of them do work out in, in real real time uh, and really and predictions and um, analyzing charts. So definitely take a look at the book. I would never, I wouldn't tell anyone that it would be a bad read or a bad study. Yeah. Um, and to that point, he has another book um, that's pretty popular, the, the book of Nakshatras. That Nakshatras yeah. mm-hmm. That's a really good book. Yeah. 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 Excellent book. Those are two very excellent books to read. He has another one called Sun, about the sun. Uh, it's not all that good, but those two are definitely um ones you want to have on your show yeah indeed 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 um with that being said man let's just go ahead and and, and get into this uh topic for the day 
Um, and to let people know, this is a Patreon-driven show. So big shout out to the patrons, patrons again, our patrons or whatnot for you know coming up with these great ideas. And like I said, we do, we do do them. You know, if it's if it's feasible, right? Exactly. You know, do we want to touch on the elections at all? Uh, maybe in the context of this show, just like unless you want to, you got unless you got a flow that you want to go, we can we can we can do that. Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. Because you know, the election piece, right? November fifth, November fifth, that magical day. November third, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, November eighth. I'm sorry. <clears throat> um. So, well, it depends on what Tuesday it falls on. Right? Yeah, first Whatever Tuesday. First Tuesday is November, right? Yeah. So it could change. But let's talk about Tuesday. Yeah. Right. Could have been Monday. <laughs> yeah. Right. Could be a Sunday. Yeah. Nobody has to work. You're free. What better day to pick to vote? In fact, the Sunday would be... The day you would want to elect your ruler, right? Mm-hmm. The day of the sun, the day of the ruler. But they didn't pick that day. They picked the day that indicates martial energies. Yeah. <laughs> Why would they do that? I thought the whole process was to unify. Well, martial days are days you definitely don't want to make major decisions on. Right, unless you have to make a dangerous decision or a decision that causes you to have to change things or to destroy something. Yeah. That's what you do on Tuesdays. Right. So, number one, the day itself is a, is a n- not a good day. Right. But the time is also very, very curious in that the time was chosen or created by an individual by the name of James K. Polk. He was uh, president of the United States from, I believe, 1845 to 1849, right? He was a Freemason. Interesting, right? A Freemason comes up with with the time scales for when elections would transpire. Now, the, the date of the election, which is the first... Tuesday in November falls in uh, the sun falls in the sign of Libra. Right now, this is instituted in the 1800s. This has happened since then. Yeah, this is instituted by a man that has Masonic training. So you pick a day where individuals are going to have a internal battle. <laughs> right about which direction to choose based on whatever the candidate has presented. And so Libra is a sign that deals in things that are appearance-oriented, right? Things that are smooth and, right, well-rounded. Not the truth, right, but things that are um, weighed, right, and measured. Yeah. Well, the sun is the planet that allows you to come from the deepest inner recesses of who you are 
in order to come out and make the proper decision or take the proper direction. And if you are constantly in flux with regards to making decisions, as well as being on a day that creates strife or frustration or heat or intensity, right? You make the wrong decision Mm -hmm. or you make a decision that's usually swayed or pushed or pulled in some way. So Mr. Polk, right? In his, in his Masonic wisdom understood (laughs) that the people would be weakened Right where the government or the powers that be would be strengthened, while the people are literally at the kind of like the mercy of right the poles. Yeah. <clears throat> so, just right, it's not an arbitrary thing. And there's other dates. Inauguration date, right, is January twentieth, when the sun is in Capricorn, when you are given power to rule. Right. You have your preliminaries in Taurus, right? Which Taurus is the sign that deals in possessions. It deals in materialistic things. So you want your preliminaries to be done when things can materialize. You do your uh, conventions in July when people are emotional in the sign of cancer. Right. So these are all very specifically designed to have a very precise astrological outcome. That's why we've had this system for so long. Yeah. So with that being said, right, we're going to get right into today's show and we're going to kind of segue from this particular Masonic president into really understanding some of the astrological imports that Masonry does hold. And if you'd study masonry at any length or at any point, you will begin to understand something is astronomical or astrological in the underpinnings of masonry. Yeah. So, you know, masonry as it is today is called speculative masonry, right? The original Masons were what is what is called operative Masons. Now, you still have some operative Masons today. Mm-hmm. But most, when we talk about the Lodge, when you talk about um, Prince Hall, when you talk about four-lettered versus three-lettered, these are all speculative. Most of them are speculative Masons. Now, I know some that happen to be both. Some of, most, some of my students are Masons, right? So... Right. Understand that this was borrowed, right, from an ancient, right, initiatory system. Yeah. And, you know, people people conjecture about who gave, right, Europe, right, masonry. Mm-hmm. Some people say it's the Moors, right? And remember, there's more than, you know, Masonry has many different sides. You have a Scottish rite. Well, you have a couple of sides. You have the Scottish rite, which is typically, right, oriented towards America and some por- some portions of London. And then you also have a York rite. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have different Masonic schools that use different symbolism, sets of symbols, in order to a- a- acquire or achieve, right, um, what we call um, becoming a master mason or becoming self-realized, if you will. So, right, 
the system that we're really leaning towards and talking about today is Scottish Rite. Mm-hmm. And Scottish Rite borrows more and borrows a lot heavier. It borrows more heavily on the comedic symbolism, right? Versus York Rite is more Christian based. So in the York Rite system, you have a degree process of being inculcated in degrees. Well, first of all, the word degrees itself is a dead giveaway because in degrees, which of course is measurement, you only measure a few things in degrees, right? Temperature you measure in degrees, but also you measure degrees in time and space, right? The circle is measured in degrees and a circle represents time, right? So understanding this, right? And remember, in their system, in the Scottish Rite system, not in the York Rite, in the Scottish Rite system, right, you are considered um, at the highest level when you acquire the 33rd degree. Yeah. Well, Jesus dies at what? 33, right? An ingress into a sign happens at 30 degrees or zero degrees because 30 and zero Mm -hmm. are one and the same, right? Three degrees after, right? In fact, when we predict, we give the planet a three-degree window on either side, which is a total of six degrees, but three degrees one way, three degrees the other, That three degrees is when something can materialize from that conjunction. So 33 is a very specific number because it's telling you it's 30 and 3. Or a complete cycle and then 3 degrees. Right, so understanding that, that's why we have 33. We have the same number of vertebrate, the same number of teeth. Right, you have the same number of teeth that you have in your, you have the same number of vertebrate that you have the same number of teeth in your mouth. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, so there's a specific number, right, that they use to not only use it from a human humanistic or a bodily standpoint, but also from an astrological or an astronomical standpoint. Because remember, in ancient times, astronomy and astrology weren't different. Yeah, there was no separation. That's only something that has happened in modern times, right? That they've taken the science of astronomy and divorced it from astrology. Mm-hmm. So, um, continuing, right, there's so many symbols in masonry. We would probably be here for about three shows just unpacking each one, right, and going in depth. But we're going to go and do a few of some of the ones that are familiar, some aren't, right? Um, the first thing we're going to touch on, right, is <clears throat> in masonry, right, and let me say this to you folks so that you understand something. Masonry is Kabbalism in a package, right? Masonry is Kabbalistic, period. Yeah. Right. That's what it is, right? And so when you understand that, when you understand this Kabbalah being unpackaged or being kind of put into a formal, right, process, um, you begin to, because Kabbalah is 
all astrological anyway. Mm-hmm. So when you begin to understand this, right, there's seven is a very prominent number, mm-hmm. right? And most cultures and traditions, especially when it talks about ancient cultures, seven is a very prominent number. Remember, there's seven primary planets, not nine, mm-hmm. right? Nine is something that we use to understand things from a very, from a higher and more elevated and a longer uh, time scale as far as knowledge is concerned. We can't use it from man, and you can to some degree in a minimal in a minimal way, but for the most part, the seven planets govern your existence, right? And so that number seven is embedded in masonry under one of the symbols that they use called the ladder of seven rungs or the seven rung ladder, right? And so it's funny that that they organize it right based on it because what it what it is is kind of like a way that they they pack right hidden astrological knowledge into a symbol that tells you that you're supposed to ascend from lead to gold right lead lead obviously being saturn gold obviously being the sun yeah so there is a specific order right in ascending the seven rung ladder Mm. right so that alone right that just that symbol right hints or kind of you know nudges the person to begin to understand and study right the seven planets the seven planets correspond to the seven chakras and seven uh seven heavens right so forth right so that number seven is embedded in masonry that's one of their primal symbols is the ladder of seven rungs now going a little deeper there's another ladder they have which is called the ladder of three rungs right and the ladder of three rungs literally um, one of the things that's associated with it is um, um, hope right charity and faith mm-hmm. right now at the end of the ladder the three rungs right there is a picture of the Pleiades. Now, the Pleiades is a small constellation, a small band of stars within the constellation of Taurus. Right? Why would they put the seven sisters, call them the seven sisters, right? Or the seven rishis, right? Why would they put that at the end of a symbol that talks about faith, hope, Right. And I always get this one. Charity. Right. Mm-hmm. Aquarius, Pisces, Aries, and Taurus. Right. The three preceding are, right, the, the, the hope. Right. Because remember, in ancient times, right, when the sun began to go get darker, you didn't have street lights. Yeah. Right. You didn't have right home lights. You had a candle if you were, you know, that's that's what's what you had. So when the days begin to get longer, right, the the hope, the faith would return. Right. Which is Aquarius. Then the hope would support the faith that you know that eventually, right, the light is getting brighter. 
right? And from the faith, right, then you have charity, which is Aries, because now you have the momentum to begin to mobilize and to put things in action to spread out and to do more work. The finalization is when you reach the Pleiades. And remember, this is how you know when a lot of these systems were really kind of leaning towards or looking at. Taurus was the age when the when at the time when these things were coined, it was the Taurian age, mm-hmm. right? The age of the bull. So that would be the quintessential, right? That would actually be the beginning of spring mm. in those ages, in that age. So again, these are all astrological underpinnings, right? That's hidden, right, through their symbolism. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's 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 more than that. It's, a, it's so much more. I mean, literally, masonry is, in essence, right? I mean, because they talk about God geom- geometrizes, right? God creates things through geometry, the G, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In the Masonic symbol. So, you know, in the compass and square. So, again, right? And think about it from this perspective. Yes, of course, geometry is something that we use, right, in the physical plane. But also geometry is what we use in an astronomical plane as well. Yeah. Right? I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute. Right. So the other thing that um, is a big kind of topic in masonry is a degree called the Royal Arch Degree. Right. And it's supposed to be the degree after you become a, ma- a master mason. Right. Remember, um, for all intents and purposes, they tell you it's three basic degrees. But what they don't tell you is that that's the Blue Lodge, right? There's there's a Blue Lodge and there's a Red Lodge, right? You become a member of the Red Lodge when you get past the first few degrees. When you get into the to the fourth degree, which is the Royal Arch degree, right, you are introduced to astrology without even knowing. So in the Royal Arch degree, right? Well, let's talk about the Royal Arch, right? The Royal Arch, right, is coined, right, based on, right, the heavens being considered a tabernacle, right? And so the heavens being a tabernacle, the height or the thing that is drawn on the tabernacle, right, is the Royal Arch, what you also will call the ecliptic. The ecliptic is where the band of stars exists that you call the constellations. Yeah. So in the Royal Arch degree, they're specifically pointing out, right, that that band of, or the, that those band of stars, right, <clears throat> are highlighted by four primary animals. Now there's, what you would consider inside of when you get into the American rite, because remember, there's two different rites. In the American rite or the Scottish rite, when you're introduced into the Royal Arch degree, they have kind of like this um, um, banner with four different flags, right? And each one of the flags has a animal on it, right? The colors, are, the colors of the flags are white, blue, red, and purple, Right. On the white flag, they have the man. Right. On the red flag, right, they have the lion. On the blue flag, 
they have the bull. And on the purple flag, they have an eagle. Yeah. Right. Now, and sometimes they might change it per lodge, right? It might be this color, this color, but most most of the time, those are the orientations of the colors. But each one of those animals represents an astrological sign and an astrological age. Right? So considering that, understanding that when we talk about the Great Cross, right? The Great Cross is from Taurus to Leo to Scorpio, to Aquarius. All the stars in each one of those are very prominent, specific stars, right? Uh, in Taurus, you have Aldebaran, which is the eye of the bull. In Leo, you have Regulus, which is the heart of the lion. In Scorpio, right, you have Antares, which is the heart of the scorpion. And then in Aquarius, right, you have Fomalhaut, right? There's not a known big known star, but it is a prominent star. So those four stars, right, create the Grand Equinoctial Cross. Mm. And so the Grand Equinoctial Cross represents, right, the number of years that it takes for, right, each one of those ages. To, so in other words, they're telling you about grand the process of grand procession, right, within those set of symbols. And if you understand, remember, our ancestors built things through time, through dynasties. Well, masonry is somewhat similar because that's why it's a secret. It's not something that is to be divulged. It's something to be done. Yeah. So <clears throat> understanding that, right, that is a very powerful and potent degree, right? In that degree, that it is revealed the beginnings as far as the study of astrology is concerned now let's talk a little bit about masonry for a minute masonry deals in geometry when you deal in astrology right you deal in geometry now in in vedic astrology or in jyotish this is not a practice that is common or wasn't used in ancient times this is something that the quote-unquote greeks coined mm -hmm. right but if you study ptolemy remember before Ptolemy, you had Pythagoras. Pythagoras was one of the great mathematicians, right, in Greece. So when you begin to understand that this information is garnered from Egypt, right? Remember, if you're talking geometry, there's no other civilization that built the way we did with geometry. Yeah. We had trapezoids, <laughs> right? We had pyramids. We had, I mean... Everything you could imagine as far as structure, as far as building, we mastered it. Not Babylon, not India, right? Egypt, mm -hmm. Kemet. And so when you understand that, we were the masters of the physical world. We understood how to control matter to a great degree. That's why when you watch that pyramid movie, in fact, one of, um, there's a, a, I don't know the name of the book, but in the book he talks about how excellent in ancient times the Egyptians were making at were at good, how good they were at making um, sculptures, right? Or they could actually make glass, and that is, in in fact, you know it's true, because in some of the statues they actually have glass eyes, right? With blue in it, yeah. Right? 
<laughs> right. So we made glass, right? In fact, that movie that I recommend, a lot of people watched it, right? If you did, you probably got a lot out of it. That um, pyramid movie, right? A uh, pyramid document, document, uh, documentary, mm-hmm. um, 2019, I think it's 2019K. But in there, right, they talk about the ability of the ancients, right? To, ge- to literally understand geometry, to control matter from that perspective. And remember, at this time, most Europeans were still living in, in, in for the most part, in a, in a nomadic, right, um, right, hunter-gatherer type stage. So, masonry was what we did. Well, masonry requires for you to understand degrees. Yeah. Right. So, one of the most famous statements in in masonry is to be on your what? Square. Mm-hmm. Well, our ancestors had what we call, right, the pedestal of Ma'at, mm-hmm. right, which was considered what we call a cubit. But that back end of it was a square, a right angle, a 90-degree angle, right? Mm-hmm. So being on your square, right, what do we mean when we say that? You're on your P's and Q's. You're sharp, right? You're not lacking, right? You're on your toes, right? You're dotting your I's. You're crossing your T's. You're staying on Q, right? Why would that be something that you would say in light of a 90-degree angle? Well, of course, it's square, but it also means in astrology, right, when you have a 90-degree angle, that is a time when you should be on your best behavior, right? That is a time when you should definitely be careful and cautious about your actions. So being on your square doesn't necessarily just mean as in the sense of being upright. It also means being vigilant, being hypervigilant, being constantly uh, perceptive about what's going on. And I tell my clients, when you have a square, right, approaching or leaving, that is a time when you definitely want to make sure that you do things in an appropriate way and you follow through, right? That you make sure that you go back and you have someone else double check, triple check, not like a retrograde, but to the point where you don't want to create any other problems by not making sure that things are done properly, being on your square and it makes you right conform to that particular process if you're wise so 90 degree angles are very specific in astrology is that they create events right that's just one aspect what about a trine well we had right a device in fact and they called it a plum mm-hmm. right and the plum hangs down, you know, there's a, a line with a, something that hangs in the middle. Down, It's called a plum. But a plum, right, is only effective because it's 120 degrees, right? 120 degrees creates a trine, right? And so when you're measuring in a tr- measuring, right, when you're actually creating something, that plum has to be perfect. If it's slightly off, right, when it's not 120, 20 degrees exactly, the plum won't work properly. Your your level will be off, right? Mm-hmm. And in astrology, 
trines level you. They stabilize you. Yeah. They allow you to create harmony or balance. Right? Mm-hmm. Again, right in masonry, this is right understood as the plumb. Right? 120 degrees, which makes an equidistant level field. And that's what it does in astrology. When you have planets that are trined, it levels the field. It gives you access. Because when you have a level playing field, you have access, right? Mm-hmm. So again, right, showing this is what this means, right? When you have 180 degrees, right, you have a line. But in astrology, it's in opposition. Yeah. So again, right? That's why you have a rule, a rule, <laughs> right? We call it a ruler, right? Yeah. To create a line, right? Because you have one side that needs to be balanced with the other, right? Again, these are all Masonic innuendos, but they're also astrological innuendos. Yeah. So they match perfectly. Right. So, <clears throat> right. And then there's other ones, you know, there's quincunxes, which is 150 degrees and things like that. There's all kind of different aspects because literally you're doing, ge- you're practicing geometry in the heavens. That's all it is. Yeah. Right. So, you know, with that being said, believe me and know, right, the individuals that are of a high order of masonry know these things now we're going to take a quick divergence and talk a little bit about an individual that wrote a book called albert pike and albert pike wrote a book called morals and dogma it's not hard to find but it's not easy to find either mm-hmm. you get yourself a copy count yourself as someone that is you know got at least access to some knowledge that most people don't know but in the book right and this is what the book looks like Right, it's an old book, right? Right, everybody can see this book was written in 1885, I believe. So, we're talking over a hundred years. Remember, James K. Polk was in 1849, so this is after Polk, right? And this is this individual is a 33. And a third, probably in a third degree basin, right? Um, wrote the book, and in the book, gave a great deal of information about masonry. Now, I'm no mason. I would never describe it to masonry. I have nothing against masons because I have masons in my courses, right? But I have another initiate system that, to me, is just as not more powerful. So, <clears throat> right. But I don't take away anything from masonry because I'm not an issue, nor do I know what their secrets hold. But I do know, right, that astrology is a key fundamental portion of what they teach, especially in the higher degrees. So in the lower degrees, you're kind of initiated and you're introduced to it. You know, they, they desensitize you. They build you up into really getting used to understanding these hidden sciences and hidden things. But when you get to the 23rd and the 24th degree, it becomes very explicit. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the 23rd degree is the Prince of the Tabernacle. Remember what we talked about? The Tabernacle. Mm-hmm. 
The tabernacle are the heavens, literally. Right? That's what they call the tabernacle. It's the sky. Right? And so in the 23rd degree, he covers a great deal, right? About um, what was needed to study this the sciences, right? What kind of initiation you had to go to, what you had to know, um, why the sciences were hidden. That's in the 23rd degree. And someone in the 24th, but in the 24th, he becomes very, very explicit, mm. right? And I'm going to read something from the 24th degree. It's on page 449, right? The 24th degree is the night of the brazen serpent. And remember, who has... Who holds up the brazen serpent in the Bible? Do you remember? No. I don't remember. Moses. Moses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So this is the degree of the brazen serpent. Mm -hmm. And it's a way of saying that, remember, Moses is an Egyptian initiate. Yeah. Right? So this is the degree of the knowledge Right, that's associated with being an Egyptian initiate. <laughs> right. So let's read. Now this is this man book. Let's just make sure we got the the date right. I don't want to tell you the wrong year. Right. Eighteen seventy one. Excuse me. Right. This is even older than I thought. So let's read a little bit. Second paragraph. The sun does not arrive at the same moment in each year at the equinoctial point on the equator. The explanation of his anticipating that point belongs to the ancient science of astronomy. And to that we refer you to it. The, the consequence is what is termed the precession of the equinoxes, by means of which the sun is constantly changing his place in the zodiac at each vernal equinox, so that now the sign ret retaining the names by which they had 300 years before Christ, they and the constellations do not correspond. The sun being now in the constellation of Pisces, <laughs> when he was in the sign Aries, <laughs> that's finished yeah <laughs> see if he really knows what he's talking about mm -hmm. the annual amount of precession is 50 seconds and a little over 50 seconds and one millisecond right the period of a complete revolution of the equinoxes is 25,856 years the precession amounts to 30 degrees 30 degrees right or a sign in 2,155.6 years. So that as the sun now enters Pisces at the vernal equinox, he entered Aries at the period of 300 years before Christ, and Taurus 2,455 BC, and the divisions of the ecliptic, now called Taurus, lies in the constellation Aries, while the, sun, while the sun's Gemini is in the constellation Taurus. 4,610 years before Christ, the sun entered Gemini at the vernal equinox. <laughs> so he's telling you right there that he knows, right, that sidereal astrology is to be a pra is practiced. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. All clear as day. 
Kinsani. Yeah, I mean. Right. 1871. So, masonry's been practicing sidereal since when? While you've been practicing something else. Right? So, right? Masons know, right? Mm -hmm. Some of my students are Masons. They know. Right? They're like, oh, yeah, we... We've heard that before, right? But they didn't. A lot of them didn't catch on that that was trick knowledge or laziest. And I'm sorry, I do have Western astrologer friends. What's up, Raku? But look, man, <laughs> it's lazy astrology, right? It, 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 that's what it is. Yeah. You pin a date and you say, "Let's roll with the date and let's throw the rest out with the bad." Thing. No, that's <laughs> late. It's it's more work to create an Ayanamsha, right? Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work. You have to literally observe things over years upon years upon years upon years upon years and record it and keep it recorded, right? That's that's not lazy. That's hard work, right? You have different people that come up with ionomshas, right? Yeah. That build ionomshas, that literally do intense research to find out what is the right point. And they conjecture, well, you don't know the right point. Our points differ this much. <laughs> Ionamshas differ this much, folks. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not like it's not it's not some major argument. Yeah. It's like my minuscule minutes and seconds, right? Mm -hmm. There's conjecture that right the star that we use, which is called Spica, mm -hmm. right, is at 29 degrees 56 minutes Virgo. And yes, all look, folks, the signs are not all equidistant, right? Pisces takes up a massive amount of the sky, mm -hmm. right? Aries is a little short, little, right? About this big. So they're not all 30 degrees. Mm -hmm. So when the sun is in the, is in the last portions of Virgo, which is in the legs, it's actually in Libra. Mm -hmm. the, the, the scales of Libra, right? Are literally connected to the claws of the scorpion. They overlap. So they're not all equidistant. Not every constellation is equidistant 30 degrees. But we can take the sky and break it up into a perfect 360, which then each one becomes a perfect 30 degrees, mm -hmm. right? And they're represented by stars that we pin, right, inside those particular constellations that those stars don't move, but every so often as well. And it's much longer cycle for those stars to move so it's a very fixed position mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and so that allows us to gauge right where things are in relative space to those particular other stars that's what astrology is the stars have influences as well mm -hmm. if the stars didn't have influence you couldn't do astrology because you'd be just measuring space yeah right that's why i think i mean that's why nakshatras are so powerful Cause it exactly got that overlap there, you know. That's exactly why they're powerful. Because each nakshatra has what we call a tara, mm -hmm. and the closer you are to that tara or that star, it increases the strength of that planet, mm -hmm. tarabala, mm -hmm. right? So each planet, each star has a very specific influence. I mean, even if you go back and you read, uh, um, um. If you go back and study um, 
the Talon, uh, Tetra Biblos, excuse me, Tetra Biblos should have that in your library. Even as a isn't even as a sidereal astrologer, you should still have Tetra Biblos because this is what people don't get. If astro if Western astrology just nudged to sidereal, all of their stuff would work. It would work just the same way as what we do. That's the only major critical difference. Other ones can be mitigated, but that is the one that is the death. That's the one that shifts the two mm -hmm. apart. But if they just used and nudged it over, it would work. It we would do what we do. There's that that that's the problem. But that book, right, is coined at the time when both systems were the same. Mm -hmm. See, that's what people forget that it was the same at one point. There was no difference, so it would work, right? Western astrology works. It just you have to make the adjustment. That's it. So understanding that, right, it's something so simple and so small, but something so profound. But again, it's lazy astrology. It's easy to pin a date. I could pin a date. I could pin any date. Do you know I could go the opposite? I could do September 21st, <laughs> right, and pin a date. I mean, that's easy, right? It just takes more work to really do it right. I'm not saying that some of the stuff doesn't work because their aspects, the aspects remain the same, folks. Western, Eastern, it's the same, right? Yeah. yeah. Mars all opposed. Yeah, that doesn't change, right? What does change is house placements, right? And overall, right, constellational placements. Yeah. Right? That's what is, is adjusted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with that being said, right, I think we've got a pretty good leg in to kind of talk about, you know, the connection between Freemasonry and astrology, right? Because we've already explored, right, the different kind of some of the symbols. Some of the other symbols that I didn't mention, right, is called the hourglass, mm -hmm. right? And the hourglass is symbolic, right, because there used to be a man that would carry an hourglass and also palm leaves, which represents time, also representing the horoscopus or the person that records time or records the chart. So the hourglass in and of itself represents astrology. That is one of their symbols. There's another one called the beehive, mm -hmm. right? If you understand anything about bees, right, bees orient themselves to Time. The sun. Well, that the sun, and they, they, yeah, they don't, you know. The sun is the master tool for timekeeping, right? Yeah. And so they orient themselves. Literally, they send messages. That's why they do their dance, right? Their dance gives direction based on the sun. That's mm -hmm. why they're a solar creature, right? They produce honey, which is sun-like. Yeah. They have a royal queen, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know. There's so many symbols in masonry, right? They really do allude to not only they go, measuring space. They, they go away when, yeah. when the sun is debilitated. <laughs> get, get to, around that time period, they start going away. <laughs> exactly. There you go, right? <laughs> so again, right, these things all interconnect and interweave as above, so below, mm -hmm. right? So with that, right, we might do a part two. And actually add in maybe and go into some other degrees where they still mention astrology and maybe even look at some other subset symbols like uh, the actual checkered floor on the actual 
um, uh, uh, based on uh, the large floor, right? Mm-hmm. All those things have some type of astrological or astronomical, because remember, they're the same type of uh, backdrop or innuendo. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, that's um, it's a heavy, um, heavy concept. I did bring this up real quick. We ain't going to talk about it too much, but here's a another branch of masonry out of Asia. This book right here, mm. The Hung Society, um, mm-hmm. Society mm-hmm. of Heaven and Earth. Um, this is the foundation of what the triads are today. Oh, the triads, uh-huh. mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. they have very esoteric origins, um, and a lot of the same type of correspondences exist in that system as well. So that might be a good. You'd book be surprised, you man. Yeah. I've heard because I've heard. Uh, a lot of studies from um, magicians that have to kind of find missing pieces from the grimoires and some of the things that are missing from the old archaic texts, they mm-hmm. go to China. Mm-hmm. And they say that China's magic system is almost identical. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's heavy, right? Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. So... Yeah, but they, but you know, sus, sus said if a Chinese person put a root on you, you got a problem, (laughs) (laughs) right? For real, indeed, indeed. But you know, with that being said, uh, this episode was brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calabrusha Astrology, and our good people over there on Patreon. Big shout out to you all. Um, I w- uh, make sure you all like and subscribe, and you know share this with your with your folks and everybody like that. Um, I did want to make a shout out to Clubhouse, man. Shout out to everybody on Clubhouse, you know who's uh checking us out now and stuff like that. Like that, man. It's been a uh you know good time um networking on that app and stuff like that. So uh, shout out to all the new listeners who who got here from um uh, from Clubhouse and stuff like that, and um. You know, we'll you know, I have some rooms set up, man, where we can um chop up some stuff or whatnot, man. So big shout out to y'all. Um, Rod, you got anything you wanna say before we um, you know, get out of here? Um, not really, you know. Um just stay tuned. There's a lot of great shows coming up towards because uh, this we're at the half mark of the season, mm-hmm. right? Which is thirteen. Um, so, you know, moving forward, there's going to be some um, shows that can go. It's going to go even deeper before we uh, before we take our, our 25th kind of bow out in this particular season. So definitely stay tuned. Pass the word. Subscribe. Right. Hit the like button. Um, also, check me out on my own page. Uh, I do have a page, uh, Calaprucial Astrology. I'm still in the works of still creating the whole process for that page. But definitely stay tuned to that. And I do have classes coming up. So towards the end of this month, January 24th, in fact, we will be starting a brand new right, level one astro- astro- astrology fundamentals level one course. Right. Um, if you're interested, definitely get at me. Um, I don't want to discuss costs because that is something that I discuss personally within each, each individual. But contact me. Let me know. Right. Um, and if you're interested, we definitely get you set up and get the process started so you can learn how to do this on your own. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And, um, 
you know uh be on the lookout man uh the gentle film is coming pretty soon we wrapping it up right now and stuff like that man so it's uh it's gonna be an interesting one so y'all definitely stay tuned and i'm that. excited yeah yeah i'm, I'm, I'm definitely excited yeah man i don't know maybe maybe one day i'll, I'll you know i don't know we'll, we'll see I'm, I'm thinking about some things or whatnot but yeah man so definitely stay 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 tuned for that that's coming um and hey with that being said you know get your uh, merch too get your oh, merch yeah, get the merch get, your get merch. the merch ah, and we gotta we gotta get the shirts man we got man it's so busy you know it, it's, it's yeah. a lot of things going yeah. on but we got we got we got cosmic we have the cosmic convos merch just in general with the logo but we got some specific shirts coming up man mm-hmm. i know y'all definitely love so Stay tuned for that, man. We just gotta lock in and go ahead and complete that process or whatnot. But um indeed, indeed. But um hey, thank you all for tuning in. Uh we will be back next week, same time, same place, um, with another great episode for you. Um everybody be safe out there and we're out. Peace. Thank you.